question, do you believe in miracles? Statistics point out that a good majority of us do because as Christians, our entire belief system, the core of Christianity is based on one of the greatest miracles of all, that Jesus rose from the grave. It's the cornerstone to everything that our faith is built upon. And if this were not true, then this is not true. It wouldn't truly mean anything. It would just be a guideline to how to be a good person. But as Christians, we believe. We believe in the miracle of the resurrection. We believe God parted the Red Sea. We believe an angel was sent to protect Daniel in the lion's den. We believe Jesus calmed a storm and that both he and Peter walked on water. We believe what we read, that healings took place, the blind were made to see, the lame were made to walk. So the answer to this question for the majority of us would be yes. We do believe. We believe that the Word of God is truth. That's why we're referred to as believers. So I guess a better question for us would be, do you believe that miracles still take place? Because then I think a lot of people would say, well, I do believe that those things happened. I think miracles were more abundant then. I'm just not so sure that they're taking place much today. But honestly, were miracles more abundant then? I mean, the Bible records 182 miracles. That's if you count creation as one. 37 of those were Jesus. So 182 may sound like a lot, but bear in mind the Bible covers about 4,000 years of history, so technically that's less than one miracle every 20 years. Now keep in mind that 38% of Americans say that they have had an experience that can only be explained as being a miracle. So... If 38% of American adults say that they have had at least one miracle in their life, this would mean we would have a minimum of 94 million miracles that took place in the U.S. alone. So I know what you're thinking. So let's just say, let's just say 99% of those miracles weren't real miracles. Let's say some of them were fake. Let's say some of them were extraordinary coincidences. So we are going to be skeptics right now, and we're going to rule out 99%. We would still have a million miracles that take place in our country. That is a lot of miracles. That tells me that God is just as powerful now as He was then. Nothing's changed in Malachi 3, verse 6, God states, I am the Lord and I do not change. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So my goal today and what I feel that God has laid upon my heart to convey to you, and this is our big idea of the day, is that God is still in the miracle-making business. God is still in the miracle-making business. See, I believe 
that God is still moving and He's moving in remarkable ways and He's doing incredible things, but that we often either take them for granted, we attribute them to something else, or we block miracles in our lives from happening by things that we are or we are not doing. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to walk you through, I'm actually going to skip you through, we'll put it like that, I'm going to skip you through one of Jesus' greatest miracles, and this is a story that a lot of us have probably heard before, and a lot of us are familiar with, it's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now as I meditated on this for the past two weeks, I've just studied this over and over again, and what jumped out at me wasn't so much the miracle that took place, but three things that led to the miracle. Three things that I then found had preceded the majority of Jesus' miracles, at least the ones that involved people. So then my mind's like blown away. And I couldn't help but start thinking that with Jesus, miracles may actually be as simple as our A, B's, and C's. So I'm going to jump right into this. This miracle is found in John chapter 11. I'm going to begin at verse 1. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Some of you may remember that story as well. And the author of this gospel, John, felt it was important that we knew this was the same Mary. Verse 3 says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So the first thing that's happened here that led to this miracle, that kind of kick-started everything, were these two sisters that were reaching out to Jesus. And they weren't just making Jesus aware of an issue. They were wanting Jesus to get involved. They were calling out to Him. They were asking Jesus to help. Because when you want something, and when you need something the first action you take is you ask. That is the A and the ABCs of miracles. As simple as it sounds, you ask. Little Susie was down on her knees and she was praying. And she was shouting her prayers. Little Susie was down there. She said, please God, send me a new doll for my birthday. Well, her mother, overhearing this, said, You don't have to shout, dear. God isn't deaf. And little Susie replied, No, but Grandpa is, and he's in the next room. <laughs> See, when you desire something, you get the word out. You ask for it. You see, asking for help, as simple as this sounds, it's what kicked everything into motion. The beginning of almost every miracle is a prayer. Someone has asked God for something. Someone is sending a request to the Lord. Does God already know you need something? Well, sure He does. But God longs for us to go to Him and to ask of Him and to present our request, to be able to admit that there's things that we can't do on our own. And these moments make us reliant upon God. And these are moments that give God an opportunity to do something amazing in our lives. 
1 John 5 verse 14 says this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He will hear us. And Martha and Mary, they're asking Jesus for help. They're asking Jesus to intervene on this situation. They're putting the ball in Jesus' court. If it's your will, Lord, help us. Lord, help Lazarus. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So if you were curious about what God's will is, Jesus just gave us the answer right there. If it's for God's glory and Jesus Christ will be glorified in it, then it's God's will. So Martha and Mary are struggling. Martha and Mary are hurting. Martha and Mary are in need of help. And they send word to Jesus and they ask for a miracle. And Jesus hears. Verse 6 says, Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. So Jesus delays going. And they had to wait. And nobody likes to wait. Last Labor Day weekend, I took my son, Ethan. We went to Holiday World. Man, it was hot and humid that weekend. We're at the water park, and I'm enjoying the wave pool, but my son wants to ride the wildebeest, the world's longest water ride. Now, I'm not a big water tube guy, to be truthful with you. I'm not a big water slide guy, because one, they scare me, and two, I weigh 215 pounds. So guess how the weight always shifts, and who ends up going backwards, head first? Fat boy. And I hate not being able to see my impending death. But like an awesome father, I agreed to go on the wildebeest, and it's hot, and it's sweaty in line, and people are rubbing up against me. And then the ride breaks. It's delayed three different times. So my back's hurting, and I'm grouchy, and it takes us two hours to finally get to the front of the line. So at this point, my son's kind of starting to get a little scared knowing he's next in line. And he starts to look around and he says, Dad, it says if you have back pain, you shouldn't ride. So I was thinking that you and I probably shouldn't do this after all to spare you from any further pain. I looked at him and said, that ship's done sailed, son. I don't care if this ride has a 50% mortality rate. We are riding it now. See, the point is, nobody likes to wait. We all struggle with patience. We struggle with waiting, and we really sometimes struggle with waiting on God. Martha and Mary, they went to Jesus. They presented their request. They asked. Time was running out, and Jesus hears it, but He delays going. And guess what happens? Lazarus dies. We skip to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus shows up too late. He dies after saying he wasn't going to die. And now we have two very frustrated sisters. 
And Martha says to Jesus in verse 21, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The other sister Mary fell on her knees weeping before Jesus. And she said the exact same thing. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. So both sisters are saying, where were you when we needed you? You said things were going to get better, but they got worse. And I bet if we could all be honest in here, I bet there's a lot of us in here that's felt this way before, that's felt disappointed by God. He didn't do what you clearly understood He said He was going to do. The answer to your prayer was the opposite of what you wanted. It's okay to question. It's okay to be upset at times. Martha and Mary, they're struggling. But notice what Martha says in verse 22. This is immediately after saying, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She followed it with, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So she's doing the next action in the ABCs of miracles. She's believing. That's our B. Believe. Mark 11, verse 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Matthew 21, verse 22, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So in spite of what had happened, in spite of how things had transpired, she still believed that Jesus had the power to change the situation. She still had faith in Jesus. Faith is a common theme throughout miracle after miracle in the Bible. Jesus restores sight to a blind man, says your faith has made you well. Jesus heals a woman of hemorrhaging and again says your faith has made you well. A paraplegic is lowered through a roof to Jesus by his friends. Jesus looks at the friends and says, by your faith, he is healed. Story after story of people that were rewarded with miracles based upon their faith. So why is this such a struggle for us? I mean, why do we struggle so much with miracles? What what is it about them that makes us question things so much? A miracle is a marvel that defies rational explanation. It's an event that cannot be explained by natural or scientific laws. See, there's natural laws that govern the world. We all know this. The world works by natural, predictable laws. That's why science is even possible. They see laws at work. They draw conclusions based on the consistencies of those laws. Sun rises, sun sets, things go up, things go down. There are laws that are predictable. Now you hear this a lot from atheists and skeptics. They say miracles would be a violation of the laws of nature. But it's God who set the laws in place. 
If I had an apple and I drop the apple, the law of nature says the apple's going to fall to the ground. It's going to be pulled to the ground by the rules of gravity. But if I have an apple and I drop the apple and you reach in and you grab it before it hits the ground, you're not violating the law of gravity. You're simply intervening. So when God performs a miracle, He's not overturning the laws that He created. He's merely intervening in His creation. He's overruling a law that He has set in place in order to accomplish something that He wants to do. But the problem is, is that we're so tied to the natural is that we often misresist or deny the supernatural. I think of professors that are so opposed to a God and they're so opposed to a miracle taking place. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Let me tell you, nothing will block miracles in your life from happening like logic. Some people educate themselves out of the supernatural. They're too smart for Jesus. They're too intelligent for heaven. They're too brilliant for the kingdom of God. A pastor was doing a teaching to children. And he began to ask these questions. He said, if I sold my house and my car and I had a big garage sale and I gave all my money away to the church, would that get me into heaven? No, the children all answered. Well, what if I cleaned the church every day and I mowed the yard? Would that get me into heaven? No, the children all answered. Well, what if I was kind to animals? And I gave candy away. And I loved my family. Would that get me into heaven? Again, they all shouted, no. Well, finally he said, then how do I get into the kingdom of heaven? And a little five-year-old shouted, you got to be dead. <laughs> Listen, believing and having faith is just knowing that no matter what lies ahead, God is there. You trust Him even when you don't know His plans. You can't see Him. See, when we face difficult times, and we all do, it's easy to forget who God is. It's easy to forget that God's capable of changing our situation. No one could have faulted these two sisters in our story if they would have started thinking that way. They're hurting. They're grieving, and yet Martha still had faith that Jesus could do something. She still believed that God could change her situation. Jesus sees this. And in the very next verse, verse 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She's thinking ahead. She's thinking about heaven. Jesus said to her, I am 
the resurrection and the life. He who believes, there it is again, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who was to come into the world. She asked. She didn't get what she asked for, but she still believed that Jesus was who he said he was. He was moved by it. In fact, in verse 35, this is the shortest verse in the entire Bible, says Jesus wept. Jesus cried. He shared the pain of Martha and Mary. Wow, isn't that comforting? To know when we hurt, Jesus hurts. So he's crying with her. And he's moved by it all. And now he seeks to address the problem. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. So he goes to the tomb, and when he gets there, he issues a command. It's verse 39. Take away the stone, he said. So he issues, he utters a command that involved action. And that's the C in the ABCs of miracles. Our C is commit. The C is commit. We have to commit to do our part and let God do His part. Matthew 6, verse 15, this is the message. It says, if you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. He will do what we can't do but He wants us to do what we can do. Jesus could have moved the stone, but He didn't. He required the people to do their part. And we have to take away the stone in our situations to make way for miracles. If your marriage is dead, needs a resurrection, you have to move away the stone. Meaning you need to clear your side of the street. You need to work on your part of the problem. You need to make a path for God to work. If your doctors told you you're having severe health problems and yet you continue to eat a bag of Oreos before bedtime each night, I'm not sure you can expect a miraculous healing because you're not doing your part. You're not moving your stone. Sometimes we aren't waiting on God. He's waiting on us. And listen, if you struggle with your stone, seek help. Notice in verse 31, it says, So they removed the stone. So there were other people around her that helped her move something that she could not move by herself. This is the reason we have Celebrate Recovery. Thursday nights at 7 o'clock here, and it's going to continue to be here even when the church moves in two weeks to the Civic. Celebrate Recover, 
Recovery helps move stones in people's lives. Boulders of hurt and hang-ups and habits. Truth is, there are some stones that you cannot move by yourself. So they help her move the stone. Verse 41, So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. Again, this is showing God's will. He gets honored. Jesus gets glorified. Verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Notice he calls him by name. He's specific. Or else every dead person on that mountain would have come out. It had been like Halloween. Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So again, Jesus calls in the small group. He says, I want you all to untie him. I want you all to help free him. I want you all to participate in my miracle. See, you and I are participants. It's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, it says we are workers together with Him. We have to commit to do our part. I once had a prompting to go to, a, to the Union City sewage plant, a company that I took care of, the, my company takes care of their maintenance. But I had a prompting in Muncie to drop what I was doing and go to Union City. I go there and I found the building was filling up with gas from a lightning strike the night before that had blew a dime-sized hole in the gas line. I mean, the place was ready to explode. I always figured, and I don't know this, but I always figured that maybe one of the wives were praying for God to protect her husband or protect her loved one. And God answered the prayer. Used one of his own. See, God doesn't just want to do miracles that exclude you. He wants to do miracles that include you because you are part of the miracle. We are workers together with him. The story of Lazarus is a great miracle. This story, this part of the story anyways, closes by saying in verse 45, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. So they came, because of this, they came to believe in him. See, God doesn't do miracles just to show off. He doesn't do miracles to flex his muscles. He does things in our lives so his name will be made great. And when we get our miracles, or we are a part of someone else's miracle, man, we need to open our mouths and we need to declare the greatness of God. It's for his name, it's for his glory. It's for His impact. 
I had a four millimeter kidney stone I battled for two weeks. Had surgery set for a Monday, which was just two days away. Pastor Chris put his hands on me, on my shoulder, and he asked for it to be gone. And it left. I went in Monday, told the doctor, the surgeon, what had happened, told him my God had healed me. He said, well, let's just take an x-ray, just to be sure. Took the x-ray, it was gone. God does things at times. and So what about that person? What about the person that has prayed and prayed, but their prayers never been answered? What about the person that has been asking for their miracle, and their miracle never came? I mean, the thing is, we just can't understand what God's plan is. We can't figure it out. It'd be a Excedrin PM headache. Just try it. There's a lot of places that Jesus didn't perform miracles. The disciples were given the power to heal, and yet they failed to heal an epileptic boy. Paul didn't heal everyone. Chris has prayed for my back plenty of times, and it still hurts. You know what? Maybe the miracle isn't always quite what we think. I got a call a few months ago from a lady here in the church. And um, she was crying. She said her mother was just diagnosed with something really bad. And she had a couple weeks to live was really quick. And she asked me to pray with her, and I did. I, I asked God to move in a mighty way. I prayed for healing in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, and I believed in every fiber of my being that it could happen. Well, two weeks later, she called, and she said her mother was at the hospital and was getting ready to pass and asked if I would come up and, and pray for and pray for the entire family. And I said I would. And then I text her and I asked her for the room number. And then I also asked if her mother was a Christ follower. Well, I immediately got back a text giving me the room number, but there was no reply to my question. So I took that as a no. So I prepared myself to just to be ready to be used in whatever way that God sees fit, whatever opening He would give me to allow her to make a decision if she desired. I've learned to be pretty bold in those situations, although I've never gotten comfortable doing it. So I go to the hospital, and I'm a little nervous. And I'm praying as I'm walking in to just to be used however God sees fit. And I walk in the room, and I immediately see the lady from church, and she says, hey, I just saw your other question. She said, the answer is yes. She is a lifelong follower 
from Jesus. So my demeanor instantly changed, and, and I went in, and I uh, talked to this lady, and she was sick, and she was weak, but I had never, ever in my life seen a woman that was so happy and so excited that she was getting ready to be face-to-face with her Jesus. live my life waiting for this Messiah and I know I did I gathered the family I prayed I just thanked God for this amazing life for this lady and this amazing moment that was getting ready to happen for this woman we praised God together and it was an extraordinary experience it made me realize that maybe this was the miracle. This was her miracle. I saw this painting on Facebook not long after, and I thought about that woman. It's called First Day in Heaven. Look how excited that girl is. The emotion in that picture. powerful image. You see, the miracle of Lazarus was coming back to this life, and the miracle of this woman was going into a new life. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. We can't comprehend. We can't understand what God is doing. We, we don't know God's plan. But we know God is good. We know God is worthy to be praised. And I don't know what everybody's going through in here. But I know that there's some tough stuff. I see the prayer request this week. Prayed for them know things that are happening in people's lives. I know that what things some people were asking for, the struggles that are going on in marriages, with health with people. And I know that a lot of people are asking God for things. And they're hoping that God's going to come through and there's going to be a miracle and that He's going to do exactly what you're asking for. And I hope He does too. But I just want to emphasize that we don't know God's plan. I went through a lot of different instances today. We don't know what God's will is in a situation and what He's leading down to later on down the path. So just in spite of what people are facing, in spite of what you're needing right now in your life, I just want to ask you to stand with me as we close this part of the teaching. And I just want to praise God in spite of our circumstances. We can get the light.
We just uh, we just thank you, God. I thank you for uh, reminding us today that you are the God that still performs miracles. We just don't read about them in the Bible. We we still live them. We're still a part of the things that you're doing, God. You still part seas. You still move mountains. You still hear us when we're needing something and we're dropping to our knees and we're begging you to intervene. God, I just thank you for even those times that we don't trust. Our faith flies out the window when, when something happens and we don't receive what we've been asking for. We know you're good. We know that sometimes the things we ask for, we shouldn't be getting. So God, allow us to continue to trust in you. Allow us to go to you and ask, believe, and commit. Maybe you were moved by the service today, and today you would like to give your life to Christ. You would like to become a Christ follower, um, accept everything that he's given to you. Um, That's a great, great, amazing choice. And we do have someone um, in the back left corner here at the Accepted Christ table who would be more than happy to um, pray with you and to answer any questions that you may have about that choice, what that means, and how we can support you in that. They'll give you a Bible, um, everything that you need to really um, jump forward in that journey. Um, Additionally, on your Connect card, there's a little box right up here in the uh, top corner. It's blue. Um, And if you wouldn't mind, if you've made that decision today as well, we would just ask that you would go ahead and check that box. um, So that way we can come and just really come alongside of you and support you in that journey. Um, Someone will contact you um, later on this week, that sort of thing. Um, And then additionally, too, we did mention earlier the connect card if you've been coming maybe this is your first time maybe this is your 12th year um whatever it may be if you've been coming forever um either way we would ask that you would fill this out it's our way of staying connected with you um in your life and uh following you there is an area on the back for prayer requests so if you have something that you would like prayer for um we do encourage you to fill that out and someone they're prayed over every week in confidence um and just know that we really um 
we enjoy getting those prayer requests so that we can support you in your life as well in those ways. Um, at this time, I would ask that the uh, we are going to receive an offering, so I would ex- uh, take the offering statement <laughs> to come up. Um, invite the greeters to come up, I should say, um, to the front. And if you've been coming here, maybe this is your first time, you know, please don't feel uh, pressured to give. Um, that's not what we're here for. We're just excited that you joined us this Sunday. But if this is your church home, if you call the jar your home, we would encourage you to give freely as our God has given so freely to us um, so that we can do amazing things for him. At this time, I would ask that you would um, bow your head. We will say a prayer together. Um, God, I just ask that you would bless this offering today and bless those who do give freely to you. We thank you for all that you've given to us, and we just ask that you would take this offering and multiply it, use it to expand your love through the community, um, to do your work. God, we thank you for what we've heard today and the teaching and for Chuck just speaking those wise words to us. Please be with us all this week um, as we go forward. We thank you so much for this wonderful day, and we give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If this is your first Sunday, or if you've been coming for a couple of weeks, um, but you have not been able to check out our guest connections table, it's over in this far corner here with the light, and Molly's waving. Um, Molly will be there. We do have a gift for you, um, and there's other resources and other information there as well. It's a really great place to stop and get connected. Um, And then fall is finally here, thankfully. So we are actually having a harvest party and chili cook-off. That will be Sunday, or sorry, Saturday, October 20th. Um, from 5 until 8 p.m., and that'll be at Dan and uh, Danae Burford's house, and there will be food, fun, and prizes um, for the best-dressed 80s rock and roll theme. And there will be a hayride and bonfires and games, and there's all kinds of other information in your um, programs as well for that. And then we are having as well a masquerade women's retreat, um, which we're super excited about. Um, I know if you're like me, Most women, we feel like we've got so many different things to juggle, being a mom and going to work and, you know, or whatever else we have on our plates. Um, And it can be tough juggling all of those things. Um, So this retreat is for you. So the Women's um, Jar Ministry is presenting the masks we wear, um, and it is a masquerade retreat. That will be Friday, November 2nd um, from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Jar office um, over on Main Street or West Main Street. Um, Dinner will be provided for that at no charge, um, and you can make a donation to the community basket. Um, There's more information on that as well in your program. At this time, I would invite the prayer team to come up. Um, If anybody here needs prayer for anything and you would like to um, get that prayer, they'll be standing up on the sides um, after the service, and you can feel free to come up, and someone will be waiting to pray with you. Thank you. Well, you was talking about the harvest party, and I'm pretty sure I won the chili cook-off last year, but I don't like to brag or anything. I do also want to remind everybody that we will be moving to the Civic in two weeks. One more week here, and then we will be there. So make sure you take the invite cards that, uh, that are in the bulletin. I'm telling you, we're going to watch God do something incredible with us at the Civic Center. Well, as she said, the prayer team has come forward. Uh, she had also mentioned if anybody had wanted to give their life to Christ. And honestly, it's the same A, Bs, and Cs. You ask, you believe, and you commit. Um, also, I ask if anybody wants to be bold at the end of the service and come up and, 
and uh, pray for a miracle. Uh, I believe in Him. And I believe that we just need to uh, give God opportunities to do incredible things in our lives. So, know you're always loved in this place, and we will see you next week.